Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by Spurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, you ready to talk a little, uh, ready to talk a little football? J-E-T-S. You know what? Of all the of all the people we regularly talk to on Twitter, of all the regulars and all our chats and all the slacks and Twitters and telegrams and everything we've ever been, we know a lot of Jets fans. We kind of maybe I don't know, we should take a straw poll of that. I think I know a bunch of cowboy fans too. And obviously I know there's a lot of Chicago Bears fans over at Bettsburgs because they're all from fucking Chicago, but there are a lot of Jets fans, and you know, these people we have to we have to be in chats with them and talk to them and kind of talk them down over the past couple of years. Like it's been it's been rough. And this was, you know, it's not like it's been decades of incompetence. This is a team that was in the AFC title game a couple of years in a row, and then it went to the, you know, then we go butt fumble, then we go God, this. Sanchez era. Sanchez mm-hmm. era. Then we get, you know, problems with coaching, problems with quarterback, problems with everything. The leadership takes a ambassadorship role. The coaching goes, and yeah, we're at where we're at. It was a two and 14 team. You're right. It was uh, rough. You're right. We know a lot of Jets fans. Our buddy Sum is a Jets guy. Uh, we 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 have a friend that used to work for the Jets, <laughs> selling tickets. Yeah, uh, there's a there are a lot of Jets connections in our crew. Uh, a number of guests that we've had on the pod have been Jets guys. So it's yeah, oh. it's a weird small world. Um, I, I guess, um, I don't have any specific affinity for the Jets. I kind of all been wallowing in their misery. I yeah, guess. no, like I, I feel for I feel for the people that cheer them on because it's. Especially like last year. And I mean, let's just dive into last year. I mean, the, the first things they did was, I mean, the, the entire goal of last year, get better because it was a rough year and especially in the offensive side, but they, you know, and they first thing off, we have clashes with Jamal Adams. So he's gone, which didn't turn out to be the worst trade in the world from a player for value standpoint but he's also a good player to have on your team when you're trying to save your job. A draft pick for the next year doesn't help you save your job as we will shortly see. And then, you know, if you, you know, you do that thing in, in 2011, or excuse me, 2021, 20, when you want to jumpstart your offense, you go get a Le'Veon Bell. The ultimate <laughs> case study in sitting out a year did not help. And running backs age like the fucking people on that M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like all of a sudden, Le'Veon Bell comes back from the cliff, and he's like seventy years old on the beach, and that's and then and that's that. And we saw what this the season was a punchline. It was it was kind of a joke. Like the the joke that got to go running on social media was like, why aren't they firing Gates? And everyone's like, why would they fire Gates? Like he's losing them all these games. They're gonna get Trevor Lawrence, and and then that turned around kind of in a weird way as well. We'll get to that, but it was a it was a punchline of a season for the most part. And then we had the, the cover zero disaster, which felt like intentional tanking until you go back and look and be like, there was no oversight over that lunatic. <laughs> and I mean, he was, he was just going to call plays like that sometimes. Like that, that wasn't like a, Oh, let's lose the gameplay. He called that play sometimes, 
he's like i'm just gonna i'm just getting i mean that's like stuff your little brother calls on madden and you laugh like oh my god i'm going over the top on this kid it just uh issue after issue and then um yeah it was where where is this weird the weird game was the winds i think the winds were the weirdest part weren't they yes yeah that was the I mean, weirdest part looking looking um, at the yeah the two teams they beat were playoff teams not only playoff, both playoff teams, teams. They were both <laughs> yes they, they actually beat both teams they, that won playoff games yeah they were both six two teams, teams that won playoff games and they both won a yeah they both won a playoff game in the playoffs <laughs> and in fact they they beat them was it back to back or it was with within they three weeks back to back yeah it was back to back yeah the jets had a winning streak that's just yeah. odd let me reflect a little bit on this season because it didn't start out where it was like this is, team is going to be historically bad. Like we knew with, with the Dolphins the prior season that that was a team that was like in line to be potentially historically bad out of the gate. And of course, in week one, they lose to the to the Ravens 49 to three or whatever it was. And it was like, oh, yeah, they're as bad as we think they might be. Oh, yeah. uh, and it they, they kind of they, they kind of came around and got better as the season went on and uh and that's that's normal you know that that's that's kind of normal when you have a team that's that dysfunctional out of the gate the jets didn't weren't like that like there was some modicum of optimism heading into their year last year like their win total was what six and a half seven ish yeah they were like they were on the road against the buffalo bills uh in week one and they weren't even touchdown dogs in that spot you know, so it was like, like it, there, there, it wasn't clear and obvious that they were going to be an absolute disaster out of the gate. Uh, and things didn't really get come unwound until maybe like week two, they get washed by the Niners at home. Week three, they got absolutely blanked by the Colts on the road. Um, and then they were favored on Thursday night football last year going up against uh, Mark Rippon's kid, Brett Rippon or brother oh or nephew going up against yeah. Rippon and the Broncos. They were favored. Darnold could not even get that win. Um, they go 0-4. Then it just went sideways on them. Everything was bad. There was no no price was long enough to take the points. Everything was just went to hell. Uh, they lo- end up losing um, – Monster, you know, they, they, I think they were the biggest spread of the season at the Chiefs. Where they, you want to guess what that number was as I'm looking it up? Is it pretty 13 and a half? Where was that game? It was at Kansas City. They were 20 point dogs 20, 20 point <laughs> at Kansas yes. City. Yeah. Uh, that was the biggest spread of the season. Uh, they did not cover 20 points again when, when they were playing the Chiefs. Could have taken that. Um, then they finally they finally covered one at, at long last. They covered against the Patriots heading into their bye. Then they showed some some friskiness against the Chargers, ultimately losing. Um, and then uh, yeah, you brought it up as an 0-11 team. They had the Raiders on the absolute ropes, and uh, they give up the touchdown with cover zero. That was embarrassing in every respect for every person involved. There and was a few they, Raiders uh, games that just ended in incredulous fashion there were that one was wild and then 40 to 3 lost the next week to the seahawks seahawks weren't even playing that great then (laughs) and then yeah you're right they're an 0 13 team they're taking on the rams in la nothing to lose nothing to play for we were worried winning 
Yeah, if you win this game, you take yourself out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes because the Jags are one and one win, and they have a worse, they have a hard, they have played a an easier schedule than you. Yep. We were worried about the Patriots game in Week Six, Seventeen. I remember yeah. looking at it. That we Belichick like, was going to throw it. Yeah, we're like to keep Trevor Lawrence from going to New York. Yeah, we're like you know th- this could get weird with the you know with the Patriots game, and then of course they rattle off two wins against playoff teams who. Yeah, not only played in the playoffs, but won. The Rams game was super weird with just the amount of Rams F-ups, essentially. The Browns game was equally puzzling. The Browns were going through a COVID thing. I don't think yeah, they, they, they were missing right? all their receivers, like all, all their receivers. Done, right? But it was still like, all right, they they should be able to like they should be able to take care of this, right? And and you know, Darnold played halfway okay and they lost that game. I, I think Cleveland didn't put up more than 20 points. It looks like, yeah, 23-16, 23-20, the Rams and the, those two wins. And then they did lose to the Patriots. But, yeah, that guy, it took him out of the Trevor sweepstakes, which I don't know. We'll look look back at this. Like, if if you never know, you know, the nature versus nurture thing. Like, well, what if Trevor's really good? Well, would Trevor have been good if he went to New York? Who knows? But if maybe probably it'll be interesting to look back at this in five years and remember those two games there's a lot of games like that that you don't really look back on like how the, were the eagles drafted this year because they did what they did in week 17 like yeah. little little things like this can change the a franchise like if uh if wilson turns out to be you know the next coming it's it's like well maybe those wins were a blessing in disguise but yeah it, it's it's everybody i remember the the consensus was like when they won those games it's like man they screwed up like they they did all this for nothing. Like they had a terrible, embarrassing season yeah, for nothing, true. and then they for won nothing. another game. And it's like, oh, this is getting worse. They're gonna have like the fourth pick. How bad can this get? This they can't even tank, right? And then yeah, at the end of the year, <laughs> at the end of the year, yeah, Gase Gase finished his career up there nine and twenty three. Let's break down some of these perf- nine issues. And even those nine wins felt like it was uh, a little. Uh, uh, there were some some lucky ones in there um so let's break this down a little bit more here for some of these performances first of all you had Darnold was only able to start 12 games i forgot that there was a joe flacco experience four game flacco's we'll get four to that when we get to Miami. Flacos. um i also can't i can't i can't believe this but Darnold in the 12 in 12 starts he had nine passing touchdowns that's crazy crazy bad 11 ints and nine passing touchdowns and 12 starts i know that the passing offense was not good but that's really really bad um and then uh i can i here's a quiz for you You may be already looking at it you may already know this but who was their leading rusher last year i'll try that was it like perrine or something terrible well, michael perrine was, was it gore second. He, it was gore it, was, it, it had was to be frank gore, gore. Frank Gore was their leading rusher. 37-year-old Frank Gore uh, was – he was probably their top fantasy scorer across the whole team. Who was their uh, leading receiver? Probably the slot guy. It was. Like short stuff, like Crowder. Jameson Crowder, that's right. Yeah. He led them in Back. receptions. I don't hate not, not only Hey, not only was Crowder, he led them in receptions. He led them in receiving yards. He led them in receiving touchdowns. And he was their best passer. One attempt, one completion, 43-yard touchdown pass. So, Jameson Crowder did it all for the New York Jets offense last so, year. Yeah, and just, this just unit some was hot garbage. Quick yeah. back of the envelope math. Darnold played in the Rams and the Browns games. 
So Flacco lost every game he started. That didn't he was going for be, yeah. yeah, that didn't turn out to be a great investment with him either. Although in his four, I just I found it. I scrolled down. He had six touchdowns in four games, and uh, Darnold had nine in twelve. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Flacco Flacco was at least going for it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, when you're off, when you're you know when you're in the middle of the season, you're trying to save your season, and you trot Flacco and Frank Gore out there in the year 2020, our Lord, that is that is really something. Uh, and yeah, ultimately this was a um, this was a true uh, scratch it, you know, scratch it all, throw it in the bin, start over type of roster, you know, roster season every in every which way. Um, and thankfully they, uh, relieved Adam Gase of his duties for the second, uh, the second time, uh, he was fired in this career. Um, when, boy, did uh, Peyton got... Manning, Peyton Manning got that guy, two head coaching jobs. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's say we're sitting there. Not an offensive it's... genius. All right. Turns we're, out. we're at the, we're at the bye. Or yeah. We're at the, we're at the chiefs game. The chiefs just kicked the ever living shit out of them. Yes. They have the Patriots up next at home. Like, Somebody took there was, those 20 points. There was rumblings. You know, there was rumblings of like, all right, they'll fire him after the bye week. I mean, like, even though we <laughs> joked about like, no, you have to keep him. He's great at losing. You're going to yeah. get Trevor. But like, I would have said. Quit. The team quit on him. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing. The team wasn't playing for him. Like, I, I kind of in the back of my mind, I had the odds set pretty decent that like, well, get rid of him. After, if he loses to the Patriots at home because the Patriots weren't anything special. If you lose the Patriots at home, which they probably were going to do, like just get rid of them, just cut them Monday loose night. in the bye week. Yeah, get rid of them f- during the bye week. Bring anybody else in; it doesn't matter if they need to get. You know, if they have to hit the ground running and they have issues, whatever. You're just going to lose those games either way. But he made it all the way to the end of the season. He did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that weirdly, that Patriots game at home against your one of the tougher defenses on your schedule, that was the best offensive performance that they had all season. And it was not close. Um, they yeah, scored 27 score. points they in a pretty, yeah, points. it was, a, it, it, was, it was, that was, that was a good, that was, that was a, a the death rattle for that, uh, uh, for that offense, for that team, really. Um, okay. So we go into the off season. It's an unmitigated disaster. You even lose out on the uh, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, as we've mentioned a bunch now. Um, they were pretty quick in pulling the trigger on the next coach in Robert Sala. They were pretty quick in scooping Mike Lafleur, the San Francisco passing game coordinator, Another to LeFleur. run the offense. Another Lafleur after the after the. Um, the noted success of Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, Michael Floor all of a sudden was a hot candidate. Um, so they bring in Michael LaFleur to run the offense. Um, they bring in the linebackers coach from Atlanta, Jeff Ulbrich, to run the defense. That was a surprise, but maybe he has some kind of long-standing connection to Robert Sala I don't know about. Um, but that's fine. Um, and then they were quick on the trigger to kind of figure out that Zach Wilson was their guy at number two. Yeah. When we were, you know, obviously we did a lot of prop con or prop draft prop content when we were getting around that time of the year. And that, that was, you know, the first pick was very solidified very quickly, even though, I mean, we're doing that still today. Like, Oh, Detroit's looking at a few different guys where it's like, no dude, it's Cade Cunningham people. What, what, what are we trying to do? Put smoke screens out. Like they didn't even give us the courtesy of doing that. It was Trevor. And then the second pick quickly solidified those odds shot up, you know, from the beginning of 
when there was only two or three draft props on the board. And then a few weeks later, it's a very big number on laying it if you wanted to take him second overall. And then the third was a mystery up until the damn pick, which was kind of fun because we don't often get that. It made for a lot of good speculation. But, yeah, they they settled in on their guy. And, in fact, they had, what, three? If they drafted there, they would have drafted, like, 34th, 35th, somewhere in there. So, like, three picks in the first 35 because they ended up having that uh, the Jamal Adams the, pick. Yeah, the Jamal Adams pick, right, which and they really, traded I'm, up to get an interior lineman. Maybe the yeah. one misstep of, in my opinion, of a, what was otherwise a very good offseason for the Jets front office. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't mind. I think he's going to be fine. I don't know if I would have got an interior guy there with all the other needs you have. I mean, maybe they saw something they really liked in this USC guy, but you know, the, they liked their quarterback. They went up and got a guard they really wanted. And then Elijah Moore, again, when we were doing draft props, he was one of the names that was discussed as like, who's going to be the fifth or sixth wide receiver in the first round. And his name, you know, it was really kind of a mystery. There was like six guys that were like, well, any of these guys could go in 20 to 32. And he was a name that was getting tossed around as possible first round talent. He was just outside it. So they add him and the what Corey Davis or uh, no, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore out of no Elijah Moore and, Corey Davis through free agency. So added to their wide receiver. Yeah, their wide receiver room was on Keelan Cole by, too. Keelan Cole was a good player for the Jaguars. Yeah, that's fair. They got uh, guess, they got they got some nice depth now at uh, receiver because they still have Denzel Mims and obviously we talked about Crowder. So if you're gonna try to improve quickly, I guess try to improve on offense and let the defense get there eventually. They didn't really lose anyone in free agency. They managed to get assets back for Sam Darnold somehow, so that's a win. Um, I guess what do you what are your thoughts on the losing the likes of Brian Poole and uh, Arthur Mowley, uh as cornerbacks? I didn't really have high grades on either of those guys. N- none of the none of the players that left or or retired or moved on uh, were of note to me. Um, and yeah, I think they, they picked the, uh, you know, they picked a number of guys out of the free agency pile who all have reasonably high upside and they didn't have to pay him a ton. Their biggest free agency acquisition was uh, Carl Lawson, um, by I think pretty much any measure. He was a top 10 pass rush producer last year. Um, can reasonably expect him to give you something, maybe not uh, quite as good as what we saw from him last year, but oh, he top, uh, he top he'll, he'll do year. something. He'll do something for you. Um, Got to be an upgrade over what you had last year, which was zero ability to rush the passer. Um, I, yeah, the Corey Davis move, again, you're, you're kind of, you know, there's a reason that guy like him is in free agency, you know? You know, he has kind of a finally delivers on the promise type of season for Tennessee, and they let him walk. Um, so, but you take, you know, your, your beggars can't be choosers when it comes to your, you know, your wide receiver talent at this point, uh, if you are the he was Yeah. He was fifth in the NFL in yards per route run last year. And just, yeah, you get a lot of, I mean, it was Janu and AJ and I mean, there was a lot of other mouths to feed as far as who you can hype up in that offense. I think it was yeah. a good addition. Again, the, the Carl Lawson thing was expensive. But if you want a good pass rusher, like pass that's rushers what it are cheap, and yeah. like that is what it costs. I mean, it wasn't. Plus, you had, bunch of, you had a bunch of salary cap room. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. You had, you had the room to spend that money on Lawson, on Davis, 
on a few other guys, like you said, Keelan Cole, Sheldon Rankins. They are kind of going to have a whole new defensive line and actually has some decent names on it. The secondary is still going to be a bit of an issue. May is okay, but I think they're going to have trouble in coverage still. I, I mean, it, just in general, the defense probably isn't going to be yeah, good. That's the right. Whole, they I mean, retained. The, yeah, that's right. They retained May. That was nice. Bad. Retaining May was a nice move. Um, Quinn and Williams is obviously blossoming. That's looking like a make uh, that they, they mm-hmm. made that pick well. Uh, they bring in Sheldon Rankins to put next to him. He's been a fine producer at the NFL level. Um, they bring in Gerard Davis, who is pretty forgettable for me from an off ball linebacker standpoint, but they're not not paying him a ton of money. Um, similarly, you up, you basically they upgraded at seven or eight starting positions on this team. Um, yeah, you got yourself to like league average at a few spots, and yeah. then probably above it and on your pass rush, like your your edge rush will be decent. Actually, your interior pressure will be okay, especially if Lawson's playing well and the, if the linebackers offer you anything. Like the the front seven will be okay. The secondary will be pretty bad. Defense as a whole is going to be uh, a weakness and a sea of weaknesses. And like again, if I'm I'm looking upside, it's you know, you, you added some wide receivers, you retained your best receiver from last year. You got to hope this quarterback works like uh, the the new line, you know, know, Becton's Becton's still very young in the league and you know, how they run an offense down in Louisville is very different from how they run an offense in the NFL. You got a new right tackle as well. So there's going to be some continuity issues up front and you have a new quarterback, some new receivers, like the offense sputtering out of the gate, not going to surprise me, but I have high-ish hopes that the offense will be fun, better. I mean, we were watching games that Joe Flacco started last year. It can't get worse. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, let's stick with the kind of the let's let's talk about Gase gone and and bringing Sal in and what what does this roster defensively mesh with a Robert Sala st- style of defense? And I guess. Do they have really? enough? Do they have enough horses? Do they have enough bodies in the front seven that they can get away with having somewhat suspect play out of their cornerbacks? Because I got to tell you, this trio of uh, Austin Hall and Guidry cornerbacks, there's going to be some separation. If you're going up against elite wide receivers, they're going to be able to get separation against these guys, which means it's going to be pretty damn important that your front seven, and especially maybe maybe specifically your front four is not giving the passer a ton of time to read and dissect this defense, right? If you use a Tampa 2 or anything of that ilk, you have to be a really good tackler. I don't think they have that. I don't think the guys have the speed to run the kind of defense he wants. I don't think they have the talent. Like the secondary, it doesn't matter. Like somebody in the chat brought up a good point and said the defense will at least be coached up. Solid defensive guy. Hopefully he really trusts the DC he brought in and he'll be obviously bigly involved in the defense as well. It's just like, you can have, you could, you know, you could get Belichick, Lombardi, Walsh and all the coaches of yesteryear all together in a room. If there's no talent, you can only coach up guys so much like solid just doesn't have enough to work with. I don't think to make this defense work in year one. And yeah, the kind of coverage he's normally running just isn't going to work. So that'll be something to watch for if he adjusts to the talent or if he tries to run the defense he ran. But to and it, it defense is a 
it is a slower turnaround. If you look at what he did, and honest to God, what he did in San Francisco was pretty amazing considering the injuries. Like, guys were dropping like flies, and that defense still played very tough. So I got to give him credit there, but I, 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 I got to agree with you. You don't have the kind of names here to – you don't have the kind no. of talent here to turn it around. Maybe next year. I'm hopeful for this long term. I, I agree with you. Uh, Salah's obvious good job of coaching the San Francisco defense when they went to the Super Bowl was actually not as good of a coaching job as last year, where he made out, you know, very, very, very eatable chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> he really did make, you know, take those, you know, do, do well getting those guys um, coached up. So that, that is, that is a good point. Um, I think, yeah, yeah I, and I honestly, this year too. Yeah, they they led the league in defensive adjusted games lost. As far as wow. like, I mean, if you that just to simplify, like, yeah. they had the worst injury luck as a defensive unit in the league, and they were a top ten unit still. Yeah. So, like, yeah. he did a great job. I think he will do a great job. It just he needs to get his guys in. He needs he doesn't to have a Fred. In. He doesn't have a Fred Warner. Uh, he does have a he does have a um a, a buckner type in quinn and williams potentially right i guess what's what's quinn and williams ceiling in your opinion not like... it's not it's not it's definitely not uh um a uh as good as uh who's the rams guy aaron donald it's not no. donald is it buckner i mean he could you get him with a good defensive coach, a good defensive staff, and you get some guys around him and some linebackers to, you know, back that scheme up. Like his ceiling's probably all pro. He could be very, very good down the road. Okay, yeah, and I mean he's he was also very, very young uh, when they yeah. drafted him. He's super young, so he's got a lot of room to grow in in terms of his his quality of play. Um, I like that you're putting two horses next to on either side of him and Carl Lawson and Rankins. I think you might you might get a surprisingly um a surprisingly solid season out of Quinn and Williams in his third year. I I would expect it at least. Um He had a good grade yeah. for an interior guy last year, especially for the people he played around. Like yeah. you know, every everything's an individual grade with a lot of these grade PFF or whoever you're using. It's individually graded, but the context you need to add is like, you know, the constantly playing from behind. Constant, you know, you're not going to get a lot of pressure when teams are just running the ball because you're losing, and you're not going to have good luck when you have bad edge rushers, bad linebackers. Like he he played well in a bad in a bad team, so. I'm, okay. I'm very hopeful for him long term too. Okay, so let's so let's say the strength of this team is their defensive line and their defense in general. Um, that's not necessarily how you want to approach winning games in 2021 in the NFL, but that's fine. That's at least something better than they had last year. Um, how about this offense? Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Let's talk about the you know the additions that they made. Um, and again, you know. I don't have a strong read on what Michael Floor's role was with San Francisco. I kind of ascribe and attribute all of that success to Kyle Shanahan because we have some signal from him otherwise as a coordinator that he's that good. Um, so, we, I mean, we can assume the floor is a smart guy and picked up a bunch of concepts from Shanahan. Um, is there anything about this situation where you have youngish offensive line? Two, a first-year player and a second-year player protecting the blind side of your rookie quarterback. Um, 
an expensive center and then a couple of question marks on your right side. Um, you know, is, can this, can this even remotely resemble anything positive we saw in San Francisco when LaFleur was there as the, uh, passing game coordinator? Again, yeah. Like you said, it's hard to figure out too much about this guy, but you would think just by a little bit of osmosis here, like, uh, when, when Shanny was the offensive coordinator down in Atlanta, he was the offensive assistant. So he's been with them since I'm gonna have to look, maybe even before that. Was yeah, he was with the he was with the Browns the year before with Shanahan. Before that, he was at Davidson. I do not think Shanahan ever coached Davidson. So starting in 2014, he's followed Kyle Shanahan around. So that's a okay. good six years of being around the guy. And some of his you know, his, that's his, like a decent his, mentorship. <laughs> that is it feels like a decent mentorship. I mean, I don't put any stock in like you know the fact that we think the other Lafleur is pretty good I mean I guess the apples probably fell from the same tree so hopefully I would also say from... thinking the other Lafleur is good is conflating a little bit it's... that Aaron Rodgers resurged and that yeah, Lafleur had a relatively easy schedule the last two years so he wins yeah, 13 it, it, games yeah, both years and then tough, he also yeah, yeah. To do that too there are but... and then and he, he also made a mistake that cost this team a Super Bowl appearance well, I mean, Shanahan's done stuff like that too in the past. So we, every, you know, everybody does that sort of thing. So don't, yeah, I don't have a lot of knowledge on Lafleur. If anybody has any nuggets, feel free to drop those on Twitter. I'd love to know somebody who followed his career a little closer than me. But if I don't know much about Lafleur, I feel like I know even less about Zach Wilson. And I watched a lot of BYU games. Like, it's <laughs> just do. like, yeah, this this <laughs> offense is going to be predicated on a guy who played in yeah, a, a weird schedule. Everybody had some weird schedules last year in college because of COVID, but no matter what, it was not an SEC schedule. And like no. we've said before, I can't remember who we were talking about, but you know, we said, Hey, big Ben Hall of Fame career Flacco had a couple really good years, including the greatest postseason in NFL history, probably, and, you know, players from smaller schools who played lesser competition in college have been able to come up if they have the tools, if they land in the right spot and they get the right coaching. Josh like Allen. Things, yeah, yeah Josh there. Allen, Wyoming. Yeah, <laughs> Wyoming's schedule sucks balls compared to anybody in Power Five, obviously. And you get, you know, you get a guy and he was pretty rough from the start and he got the right coaching. He had the right attitude. They figured it out, proved a lot of people wrong, including us. And I think if you get a guy like that that lands in the right spot, it can work no matter how shitty the schedule was if he has the tools and the willingness and he's coachable it can fall together but we are traditionally horrific evaluators of college quarterback talent <laughs> and will not i will not be taking a you know a long swing at this thing like oh i think he fucker he has an arm he, he seems to have the presence on the field but again yeah, when i bet you're sam facing, darnold 10 to 1 ran rookie of the year back in the day yeah i mean when you're when you're facing a Utah State pass rush or whatever it's it's different than getting up here and facing the damn bills so I don't know I'm tentatively optimistic but this guy could be a complete Cade McNown for all I know Ooh, interesting That's a, there's a lot of higher drafted quarterbacks you could have gone with I Achilles, think. Achilles um, Smith yeah he was an unknown for sure um, okay so <sighs> Zach Wilson 
our friend Thor Nystrom, who we talked to leading up to the draft, was giving us comps, and he pulled out the one thing that made me threw cold water on me about Zach Wilson. I and I think this. you probably remember this. Yep. <laughs> it was basically like against the dregs, he just absolutely lit it up. He was yep. an un, 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 you know, impossible to stop when he was going up against kind of the the lower. So, uh, so he should be good in practice. Tier teams. So he should be great in practice, right? Because he's playing against the Jets. Yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And then the flip side of that was he was pedestrian at the college level going up against the more stout defenses that he faced. And that's usually a little bit of a red flag. Um, I, I like the Mormon Mahomes kind of narrative and that's nickname. Fun. And I hope that he's got that because he's got an arm. Like, does he have the physical tools to play perform at the NFL level? 100% yes. Yeah um does but and and honestly i don't see the scheme even extrapolating the scheme from shanahan system combined with the sort of the youth and inexperience at the across the line youth and inexperience in the wide receiver room uh and complete utter lack of uh explosion and game breaking in the right running back room like this is a this is a pretty bad offense still and throwing in a young quarterback who hasn't ever done it is probably going to look bad a lot this season. Uh, I don't think you can expect him to slide in and produce magic considering what you have talent-wise on this line and what you have talent-wise in terms of weapons. Is that fair? I mean, the, the comp, again, hopefully without the massive injury, is just Burrow last year. And Burrow, obviously, a much different prospect coming in he'd done it at the highest of high levels had a you know a season unlike any other in college but when he got to the nfl it's like oh man this guy has a real questionable line some some receivers the defense isn't quite there the coaching staff is a big question mark there and it's like we'll see flashes but we're not going to be ever excited by a full 60 minutes of him like we're, we're not going to see a full good game and i don't know if we ever really did and I, I think that's probably like, that's the ceiling. Uh, I don't okay. think it's going to be a, I could see, you know, putting some money on rookie of the year. I don't hate it. I, cause I did, but there were some decent numbers out there. And just, I think of what number did you get for that? Like 11 or 10, somewhere in there. Okay. I, okay. I don't, I, someone has to win it. I feel like it's going to be a quarterback. And I think Lawrence's number was just a little too low. Sure. Uh, again, schedules, schedules. Are probably going to dictate that I will rebet this. We'll get the schedule here eventually, and I'll show you why. But you know, I, I felt like the added receivers were going to give him some flat. Like it was going to be a a, a five win season where he had like thirty eight hundred yards and twenty two touchdowns, and just you know, it, it was like, oh, you know, he looked good. It's just the team sucks. Wait, tell me again. Tell me again what your what your expectation would be. Say that one more time. Like a five like a win five, season with five what? win season with like thirty eight hundred four thousand yards. What what's his what's his uh, props? Uh, yeah, we can look that up in a second. But uh, okay, because because I yeah, um, I feel like you're we're in store more for like a Sam Darnold rookie season kind of deal. Yeah, well, I mean, what was Sam, Herbert's Herbert's? Sam Darnold had four wins. He threw for three thousand yards, and he went seventeen touchdowns, fifteen ints. Yeah, I think that his floor is probably worse than that. Um, so Herbert, again, 
one fewer game. So the numbers I probably should have said over 4,000. We got 17 games. But Herbert, 4,300 yards, 31 to 31 touchdowns. Is, I mean, that gives you a rookie, he, year, right? Like that no, gives it yeah, to you. Yeah. Like 31 would the char- win. The Chargers, the Chargers were so much more prepared to score yep. points. Yeah, there's, offense. there's, you don't have that kind of offense around you at the, even with a coach that was probably holding you back a little and a medical staff that was obviously questionable. And Herbert didn't even play the first game or two there and he's still 31 touchdowns. So I don't think that's feasible mid twenties, 4,000 yards, mid twenties puts you in the conversation. And I think his ceiling is there. If this offensive line gels, if he's turns out to be not a complete bust and these, uh, Low, this Lafleur character can get things going. The running back situation isn't good, so hopefully that helps them throw more. <laughs> it's like well, that's a fair we, point, but we, at the same time, run. like the telltales of what Shanahan's doing so well in in San Francisco really revolve around you know teams buying into that he wants to run it on every down, but really is doing misdirection and getting guys schemed wide freaking open with tons of yak you know, potential. Yeah. I don't, and I just don't see the, I don't see the pieces in place to pull that off with the jets, the way that they are rostered currently. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to have to be immediate impact from the wide receiver additions and the offensive upgrade, the offensive play calling. Otherwise that tickets in the trash and I'm probably not rebetting after, um, do you want to look at the schedule? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's pull this let's, puppy up. I'm imagining it's pretty hard. I'm imagining yeah, that they're not yeah, favored yeah. in many games. No, and like I alluded to, like if I were rebetting, it might be after the stretch where they start with three road games in their first five, including an altitude game, a trip to London, and t- one of their home games being Tennessee, a division champ from last year. So that's not great for getting your season going, getting your feet underneath you when you're a young you know, a young rookie coming into this league. It's not that young. He's from BYU. He's like 32, I guess. But New England feels like a game you could win if things work out and New England doesn't figure out their quarterback situation proper. Carolina, but it's still a tough defense. Like, that's yeah, still a game. That's still a game that's going to be dictated by defense. Yeah, your offense has to work. Like, your offense has to work right away against Carolina, New England. Denver is another tough defense. Tennessee, that's a little bit of a respite, but your defense stinks. They're going to score 30 on you. That's going to be in Tennessee, or that's home. Um, so, I mean, can you win a track I actually don't. Yet? I don't hate that spot for them. I think you're probably that, – that, like, let's assume that – I mean, I I guess I, – I, I don't hate them up against a bad defense. Like, if you're going up against the Tennessee and Atlanta – um, who else is a bad? They don't, there's not many bad defenses on this. Cincy, um, Houston. Houston. I don't think Cincy's gonna have a bad defense this year. It's Houston not gonna will. be great, it'll be middle um, of the pack. You'll have a bad passing defense for Philly, bad Jacksonville. Yeah, there's not many bad defenses on here. When you have a bad defense with this Jets team, I'm okay taking the points, right. Because oh yeah, no, especially I, if, I think, they lose, I if they're 0 yeah. 3, you get three and a half points there. That's a sure. Bet. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's that's the idea. That's the idea exactly. Like this is like the defense. You're going to be able to pass on these guys, but they're going to win some one v ones in the line. Um, and if you're going up against a somewhat questionable offensive line and a little older quarterback, uh, or a quarterback that can't make you pay through the air, like the pay, like the Patriots, uh, you know, there's for sure there's a 
there are a couple of games that I think are of, of interest on here. Where I'll and probably talk somebody in the chat asked that, like, why is New England a bigger favorite than Tennessee? And it's close, but I, it probably is the fact that like they have a serviceable defense, and the Jets, you know, the Jets defense stinks enough, where New England can probably just win a, a twelve to ten game there. We'll get and, to Tennessee eventually yeah, when we do Tennessee, these breakdowns, yeah. but their Tennessee's power number is going to be they're, bad. Yeah, they're, the just to kind of not to spoil it because we'll, we'll get to Tennessee when we get there, but the uh, their their power number is like surprisingly low. Like the market's not really high on them from a game by game. How many points we're going to give you? Want to lay? Blah blah blah. The um, market the adjustment Jets, for the Art Smith move has been massive. Yeah, right, right. They're expecting them to be a pretty average offense this year and a pretty bad defense. Uh, The Jets are expected to be the 30th best team from a power number standpoint with a minus four. That is only better than the Lions at minus five and a half and the Texans at minus seven. Um, Is that jive with yours? It's pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. I have a bigger range for them. They're expected to be the 30th best offense, which is exactly in line with my expectation. And they are expected to be the 24th best defense, which is a little lower than I have them graded. Yeah, that's pretty close for me. And and like you said, the schedule isn't, it isn't like some Bearcat, but it's not easy. Like coming off your bye to face New England at New England, that's, that's not yeah. a great way. And then, you know, you you do get a sweet spot there with a, a very beatable team in Cincinnati who's closer to your level yeah. than a lot of these other teams, and they're in a back-to-back-to-back. There's not a ton of those any year. So you get a nice little spot there, but then at Indy, facing yep. Buffalo, you get Miami coming off their Thursday night game, extra rest, the they're Buffalo by, yeah. one. Yeah. But again, the Buffalo one. Oh, Miami has extra a, rest both times they play. Yeah, but Miami gets yeah double double dip with the buy in the Thursday night football. But the you get two advantage spots in the opponent playing a back to back, and you're off Thursday night. But it's Buffalo. Like yeah, you get some advantage spots there, but you're playing an elite yeah. team that it might not really matter. Like it sucks, it's wasted on that. In yeah. fact, they have a couple of those, and one's Philly, which is a team they can hang with. But the other one is they get a team on a back to back roadie late in the season, and it's Tampa. Again, an elite team. Like uh, they have to face Miami. Like you said, Miami off their bye later. They get New Orleans off Thursday night. So they get two straight teams that are extra rest after the Philadelphia game. There's not easy stretches. Like the Houston Philly, maybe New Orleans, if their quarterback situation doesn't work up, that's the only easy stretch. And that New Orleans, again, has a rest advantage. Like there's really only a two two game easy spot. The rest is pretty effing rough. Yeah, and part of the is. deal is they're just bad teams are going to have a lot of big numbers. Yeah, this is not a team that I'm expecting to make their win total uh, comfortably. They may make it uncomfortably, <laughs> but it's going to be a fight and it's going to be a claw. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. I think this is a team I'll probably take the points with regularly this season. I you know I can talk myself into a lot of these spots being advantage spots where they're going to be getting a whole buttload of points um that might be that might be a fun way to play these guys i also i guess i'm hoping that they're oh and three too i actually i'm hoping that they are that they are a hard fought oh and two heading into that week three game at denver and that that line is a little shorter than five and a half because i would love to back denver in that spot um and then i would say the opposite 
and then and then so hopefully like they just get utterly nuked in denver and then week four week five you're getting like closer to a touchdown <laughs> against good offenses and and that might be a, a fun kind of way to play them um but uh this is not a schedule you know how they get where, their win total how do they get it they get it if uh oh is trubisky the backup in buffalo yes if Trubisky's starting week 18 because Buffalo is locked up playoff positioning or something. And even that, I mean, we can say all we want about Mitchell Trubisky. He's a, he's probably a top five backup. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's got enough starting true. chops and he's played well enough. Like certainly that's, top that's, 10. That's not, that's not the easiest. Like that's not getting to face Davis Webb, Webb, whatever. And I think he's our third stringer. It's not, it's not the, easiest backup position to or backup to play maybe they don't win that game anyway maybe Trubisky embarrasses them but uh yeah getting getting to their win total is gonna be rough it's gonna be a it's gonna be a building season for the for the Jets dude do you know who the Jets backups are who in the hell are these guys yeah go look at their James, running go look at their James running back Morgan depth. James Morgan and Mike White huh Mike White tend to are... Mike White Texas? Uh, That's a Dan question, really. Sure. <laughs> sure. Texas. What about James Morgan? JP Morgan? James Morgan. Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy Morgan uh, is the Jets QB2. You can uh, name Florida International. Florida International. Oh, you James already looked Morgan. it up. Um, Mike White was Western Kentucky's Mike White. All right, <laughs> so better, Zach Wilson better stay healthy because um, that gets sideways on you real quick if you got to throw those guys out to the Wolves. And as we don't even need to point it out, but Jets QBs have found a way to miss time every single season. They find a way. Yeah. Um, so there'll be some weird stuff going on there. But ultimately, I don't know that this is a team that is destined for greatness in 2021. <laughs> and uh, let's look at their odds and see if the market agrees. Oh, I think the market agrees. And like I said, if, if I can if I can see something a little glimmer out of Wilson, but they're still losing games, I could think about double dipping. I, I don't mind my position there, but man, I I don't want to lay the juice on under six and a half because of the possibility of some weird stuff at the end of the season with two possible one seeds resting in the last couple yeah. of weeks. Um I don't I would say I'm not taking the over in that. The Super Bowl, nope. AFC, AFC East are all not things we're going to bet. And they are an AFC team where things are awful tough to make the playoffs. In fact, we'll get to that when we talk about Miami. You could win 10, 11 games and not make this to make playoff number. No yeah. chance. Plus 500 is a bet. Seventh yeah. game might be value. That yeah, should probably be 2,000. I could see that. Um I guess their schedule is, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. That's not about. If you had to make um, one bet on here, I'd lay the fifty cents and take the under a six and a half. I would too. Yeah. Made me make if one I had bet. To take just, one. I don't yeah. have anything. Yeah, I agree with that because I, I, you know, I, I do think there is a chance that this offense is stuck in mud, uh, and that it takes Wilson at least a year to really kind of find him, find his form. Um, I also think it's a is a decent chance that. Uh, um, Injury risk is high enough with him too. Yeah, Ramshackle, right. and, and honestly, not Ramshackle, young offensive line. We were just looking at their schedule. The games that they're favored in, 
they might not be favorites by the time those come around. Like since he could click Houston might have Watson in that spot week 12 Philly might have Watson in that spot week 13 Uh, Jacksonville could click and they're playing them late. Um, They might not be favored in any games when it comes down to it. So I think this is going to be a tough, tough number for them to make that six and a half. I, anyone that really feels strongly about it and bets their win total over, like you're going to be in for a, for a, for a sweat. It's going to be a sweaty, sweaty season watching the Jets. Yeah. Enjoy that. The or strength, if, you know, the strengths just are just, event. the strengths are just not where you want them to be to win football on a quick turnaround like this, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, maybe Jets all thunder is a uh, moon dog, I'm so bad at Italian names. Giorgio brings up. If, yeah, if they're bad, right. they can be real bad. Like an under five and a half, under four and a half. That's not yeah. the worst look. That's so. pretty common for rookie quarterbacks who start full season to win four or five games. That's pretty damn common. So that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, all right. Did you you have any other thoughts on ways you want to have to bet the Jets this season? I guess, are they a team that in game or second half you would play to make a comeback? Do they have the right recipe? They're going to be able to run stop. So their yeah. offense is going to have some chances late. Uh, are, is this a team that can score backdoor garbage time points against the preventy? That's what I was about to say. Like Jets team total overs. Maybe don't bet them against the spread because it's like, oh, they're down by 21 and they score 24 second half points to lose by 21 because their defense just keeps giving like second half overs. If it's going to be a fun offense and you know, if you know, you talk about a run stopping defense, you stop the run, you get the ball back and score. Then you're a little closer. Then that team doesn't run anymore. They go down and score in your ass because your secondary sucks. So then you, you get the ball back, you score again. And then, you know, it just kind of repeats itself. Second half overs, maybe. It'll be, it'll be, we'll see how the, how bad the secondary is, I guess. Chuck it up to Elijah, Patrick says. Yeah, I like that. So, um, Elijah's might be a decent, might be a decent so. surprise player from a production standpoint, just because of the way that this, uh, this offense is going to be, be run. What do you think? Sure. You think he gets enough reps to be uh, a factor or do you think this is the, uh, Davis Crowder men's show? think he'll get rotated in enough and again we are sitting here it's late july we haven't seen his camp we haven't seen much of him yet so we'll have to we'll have to see in general you want to guess what the uh the average team total expected for the jets is this season five six no no no, the expected team total like so i got i got i got it broken down by uh because the spreads and totals are up for every game it's actually 21 um, the minimum is 18 and a half, maximum 24. Their average team total is going to be around 21. Uh, which is, uh, which is maybe a stretch. High, high in the first half. <laughs> like first maybe half unders, second half back. Nothing about the Jets is ever fun, Andy. Yeah, sorry. Eventually. You know what? If you were like 70 years old, you would have had some fond memories of the Jets. They won a Super Bowl. My squad's never won a Super Bowl. They did win the NFL championship and like before that was a thing. So those don't really count for anything. And we're on to, we're on to Miami. Let's talk Bob about Miami. Again, I alluded to this with the don't bet on the jets to make the playoffs. If you really love them, bet the season win total over 10 and six, the only team in the NFL with a winning record that missed the playoffs last year. 
In fact, in the NFC, the Bears and the football team did not have winning records made the playoffs, but there was a grip of 11 and five teams in the AFC 10 and six did not make it. They're actually the, obviously the first team out in the AFC playoffs. So kind of forgot that they, they had a decent year win wise. And then I went back and looked at this year and man, we broke down the jets here and said like, Oh, there's some weirdness there. Miami had a weird season, a real weird season, especially the back and forth on some of the quarterback stuff. A couple of those games, like you remember uh, what the Arizona game was uh, with the, the missed yes. field goals and just the, the back and oh, forth you want to see in the second half. Oh, the, the fact oh, that we were, the oh. fact that we had like a plus two and a half on that game or something. Oh. Like, I, I think we had oh. Dolphins plus two and a half or something. I had them on the money line and I had them plus, I had them plus, a, I had them a plus a bigger number. And that thing that was, that, that whole game was just, uh, maybe it was three and a half. And we could have lost by a field goal or yeah, the, the whole thing was heartburn, but yeah, it was a, a, a goofy year that was, given to be you know we had a hip injury we weren't sure what was going on so it was started off with the i think yeah they faced cam right off the bat lost the game the bills very good team they actually played him halfway decent especially in the second half got some garbage points as ryan fitzpatrick does when he throws 50 times he will get you those garbage points beat the beat the tar out of the jag Jags, and then that was like a Minshew. Cardinals game. were six point favorites. I had plus six. Was, was it plus six? Okay, I think yeah. we were worried about lo- losing by a touchdown because a t- it was yeah, it was often tied. It felt like in that one, uh, Seattle beat them, and I th- yeah, they were they hadn't. Uh, Seattle was like that's when Seattle was fun because that was still early in the season, so it was like the fun Seattle offense still. And then the Niners game, which was goofy. I. Uh, that was like a big Fitzpatrick game. The Niners were obviously in the midst of having everybody get hurt. Dolphins put up a shitload of points, beat the ever-living tar out of the Jets in the classic. I mean, it was 2020. We saw Flacco versus Fitzgerald game. That was that was a ton of yeah, that was a ton of fun, and that that was the game that Tua got his first action. He came in and mopped up, started yeah, the right. next game, beat the Rams. Yeah, the Rams beat he, themselves. Yeah, the, that was the thing. So he beat the Rams. You, you remember how much offense they had in that game? Total the yards? Are, oh, the, the, the Dolphins. The, it was nothing, like nothing, like 180. Oh, 145 yards of total offense. The Jesus. lowest the lowest by a winning team all season. But Didn't it, they it get the two game. defensive Van scores? Ginkled. Yeah, Van Ginkle got they his got fumble. Van Ginkled. Yes, got the Van Rams Ginkled. got Van Ginkled. And then, yeah. And then uh, – that was the theme of their whole season, really. I, I think it was like multiple. Fluky turnover like, luck. Yeah, a blocked kick that gave him a real short field, the fumble recovery. It was just like, yeah, they scored 28 points, but they had 145 yards of offense. You do the math. Didn't they all there, score so. all 28 points in like the second quarter or something insane, it too? Was, like, it that was, was the half. weirdest shit game. It was, it was yeah, it, it was, was 28 10 at half. They won 28 17. And then you get to the Cardinals game, which again was cardiac arrest for three hours yeah Zane they Gonzalez gave up 14 on, the pick. defense gave up 14 unanswered in that one they were down seven late and i was sweating my ass off right yeah right out of right out of the halftime they just looked like yeah. shit but then so then we go chargers which the chargers at this point are like oh the chargers are good like yeah. herbert's gonna do this and then they go and beat the chargers 
there was a lot of these games where just a lot of shit didn't make sense last year. I think we run into this every year when we do autopsies. And then finally the Broncos game where Tui got hurt there. And then Fitzpatrick came back in. Tui came back later in the season. The rest of the season was semi-forgettable outside of, you know, like the the Chiefs game. They made a go of it late in the, you know, the second half. The Chiefs the Patriots, gave them. The, the Chiefs gave them that cover. Oh my oh, yeah. God! Did they? Give yeah, them the, that the, cover? The, the Chiefs let them score that was, a lot. Oh yeah, that, that was yes. That was the one where, for like the first time ever, when you have a big plus number, the coach makes the right decision and doesn't try to force it to get the touchdown late. He just kicks the field goal yep. way ahead of with, with lots of time left, and then does the onside kick, and it doesn't work out, and they end up with like a a, a one touchdown margin. When which yeah, is it was great. a six point like game. Eight. They were down. Yeah, they were down thirty to ten in the fourth quarter. Lost by six. Yes. Yes. Covered that game. Uh, Coach of the year. Coach of the year. Coach Coach of the year. (laughs) Beat beat the Patriots. Um, The Raiders game, which they should have, you know, that was insane. The tar out of the Raiders. That was insane. Super crazy game. They win that game, go to 10 and five. And then they face the bills late in the year, give up 50 million points and don't make the playoffs. That's right. Which, so, I mean, as far as where they are in the rebuild, not they eliminated from playoff contention yeah, when, they, when they, they needed 17 that win. game where they lost 56 to 26 they needed to win yeah. that game right to get in yeah with with the loss they were i believe they were eliminated just based on that if, because somebody if had, they had won they could have kept the colts out or something right are they in the Colts <sighs> were out go you know lee sharp he had a big old yeah. flow chart I'd have to go look at the flow chart. It was, it was complicated. Comp- it there was, was complicated. a lot of teams that were and not only in or out or, or doing some jockeying for position. Very complicated. Yeah, um, Patrick brings up Mahomes throwing picks. Mahomes threw some bad picks against that Miami defense. Uh, Miami's defense was pretty fun last year. I, they, I, thought, they, the, my, I thought Miami – I, I don't even know if it was Mahomes playing bad as much as it was Miami was just they, – they were on a – their defense was on a heater. They yeah, were taking the ball away. Two they were going to take the, we, they were going to take the ball away from you though. Like no, that that's, was that's team fair. That was going to take the ball away from you. And yeah, and to that point, they had some very good players. I think this rebuild, especially on defense, has been faster than I had expected or hoped. And you know, like Howard, Xavier Howard, top five, top three corner. Like they have some really good pieces on the secondary. They have some really good pieces across the whole defense and they've managed to put this roster together nicely over the past few years from when they were, you know, a laughable team. And really like it was a weird game, weird year with some weird games. And, you know, the Fitzpatrick started a bunch of these games, both quarterbacks got hurt. They still managed to win 10 games. They still had a top five, top three pick because of where they – what was their what was their pick? It well, was six. They had they yeah, swapped they, they did the they terrible the thing where they had the third it. and they traded down to 12 and they traded back up to six. Yeah. So which they had a top a, five pick to start with and a, and a winning season. So not a bad year. The war chest is full. And I think a lot of hopefulness in South Beach for the upcoming next few years. Yeah. Oh, that's um, what I meant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, this this was a sick defense. I, I, 
I was more than happy to get involved with these guys last year based solely on the strength of how great their cornerback play was. Byron Jones was a sick addition for them last year. Oh, Xavier yeah. Howard okay. went from Xavier Howard went from like being looking like a guy that you gave money that you absolutely should not have to a guy that oh maybe he deserves more money <laughs> in a blink of an eye that happened. Um also like across their D line, there were no like obvious standout, like, oh my God, this guy is a monster. Yet they somehow managed to tally up 41 sacks. I think a lot of those were probably coverage sacks. Um, 41 sacks, by the way, was good enough for top 10 in the NFL from a sack standpoint, even though you don't have a single guy on this list who's like a, oh yeah, that guy was a sack monster. So it was a it was a pretty outstanding team defensive effort for these guys last year they were unbelievable in the takeaway department they what were they plus nine turnover margin a bunch of those turned into points they you know the de- anytime Especially your defense is scoring points that makes it that much easier on your offense not just the rims that they they, yeah, they the, deep, well, the niners the, game they were we made they the were Chiefs game. yeah i mean that's what got them in it late um yeah, they they were ball hawks. You do and you, you talk about up front some of the pressures. They do lose Shaq Lawson to the Texans. Um, they're probably gonna end up starting. And again, they they had two first round picks. They had two second round picks, like uh, Jalen Phillips, Miami Miami right to Miami. He's a local kid, gonna probably start right there on the on the edge, and hopefully that works out. In fact, like if you want things to work out, you're probably gonna need a couple of these rookies to hit because we've said this over and over and over again. The AFC is tough. I think obviously 10 wins don't mean what it used to because there's 17 <laughs> games, but there, there might be an 11 win team in the AFC that is not in the playoffs. So you do need to hit on some of these moves. You do need to hit on some of these rookies and you need to take another step forward. If you want to end up in the yeah. playoffs, I think. Yeah. You bet you had enough draft capital that you really could have controlled the draft from its in its entirety. And you, cause you have the third pick from the Texans, which was just highway robbery. Hilarious, um, really. And then, yeah, I, I guess the only other thing that I want to kind of point to that was a big offseason change besides everything that was mentioned, which I think was all good. Actually, did you mention the wide receiver acquisition, Will Fuller? No. Uh, we'll so, talk about so that adding, when we get to the Yeah, adding Waddle in the draft and adding Fuller through free agency, I think it's going to be the biggest improvement we're going to see from this uh, from this team from last year to this year. New OC? New OC was big. New OC is big. Who is I don't the, know much about George Godsey. He was the tight ends coach. Yeah. The, uh, who was the guy that who was the guy that that got fired by tweet? Do you remember that? <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, they're parting ways within like uh, we haven't made an announcement in the next. Yeah. Season. Okay. Now I he's forgot, gone. <laughs> I forgot. That's how that, that went down. That's Cam, not cool. Uh, Cam something. Who was it? Why am I blanking? It was uh, Chan Gailey. That was Chan Gailey. That Chan was Gailey. it. Well, no, that um, came out. And then, yeah, and then they're yeah. like, psych, that wasn't real news. And then I think it was because they had to like sit him down and tell him. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that, that tweet was real. Never mind. We did, we did part ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was not a mutual parting ways. We, we fired you. Um, yeah, no, that, uh, that, is interesting. I mean, Brian Flores clearly knows how to do two things well. He knows how to bring this locker room together. He knows how to coordinate a defense. Um, and I would be, I, I, even with the loss of personnel, even with the turnover luck regressing to normal, even with a little injury luck biting them in the butt, this is still a defense that I'm going to have high confidences in the top 10 at the end of the year because they have no obvious holes and the strength is where you want your strength. 
They have three sick corners. Um, I would expect that they are a tough team to pass on. I would expect that this is a team that's going to create opportunities and turnovers regularly still. Um, and then I, so the defense is really not something I'm thinking about or worried about at all with this, with this squad. And it's they will, the they offense. will have co-offensive coordinators. So between him and Eric Studisville. Man, was, really? Uh, co-offensive yeah, coordinators? Oh, yeah. That. He's so you get the running backs coach and the tight ends coach will be co-offensive coordinators. I'll dig into that a little. Although this guy went to Wisconsin Whitewater. That. That's a good school. I hate that. I hate that. Do not love. If you um, if you have two offensive coordinators, you have no offensive coordinators. <laughs> you don't have you don't have you don't have any. Yeah. That's funny. Um okay, so the um, let's move down to the kind of main event here. Tua time. Yeah, this is uh you think we didn't Tua have a strong opinion. Tagavailoa is a very interesting case, and there will be a lot of words shed about Tua, just not on this podcast, but across all the podcast sphere. There will be a lot of ink spilled writing about Tua. There will be a lot of speculation. Um, he was a risky choice as QB two in the 2019 NFL draft because he was coming off a major hip injury as a young man. And in the preseason last year, which was abbreviated because of COVID and his hip surgery, limiting his availability for preseason, anything, he had no reps under center until it was the heart of the season. And it looked like this was going to be the Ryan Fitzpatrick show for the duration in 2019. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, maybe because they had as much draft capital as they did, uh, maybe because they realized they were a little closer than they would have thought after getting a surprise win, convincing surprise win at the Niners, um, and or being, being three and three at their bye, they inject Tua into the starting lineup. Um, first of all, credit again to brian flores for managing that locker room doing you know, what and doing what he needed to do and not just masterfully to the navigating yeah. just masterfully navigating the guys in that locker room who are like no our best chance to win is ryan fitzpatrick out there and he is like look it's not up to me to is the future of this franchise either the current you know either the, either the future good or bad he is the future and we need to find out as soon as possible so he is getting started and even then, um, you know, waffling in specific games like the Raiders game in a way that Fitzpatrick kept you alive for a playoff berth was pretty wild. Um, but the Tua experience from Jump Street was not great. And yes, a ton of it was because of the situation he was in and not having any preparation. A ton of it was the offense in general was coordinated poorly under Chan Gailey. It was not dynamic. It was not interesting. It was not novel. There was no concepts that really was surprising anyone. It was just a very vanilla crap offense. Um, and the, but the, but there were red flags about Tua. His throwing motion looks different than it did in Alabama before his hip injury. There are some aspects of his game that. I think our, it is fair to question, is he ever going to be the player we thought he was when they drafted him number five overall? And that is looking even more if ishy in hindsight with Justin Herbert doing Justin Herbert things. What is your current temperature on Tua? And are you basically entering 2021 with a completely open mind as to what his ceiling might be? I am going to. Everything we said about... Uh... 
Wilson, Zach, Zach Wilson, Wilson playing the you know the easy schedule. He's the opposite. I mean, this guy came into the game the one year and won it. He played as a you know it was a bad injury, but when he when he was on the field, like he was legitimately the best player in college football at times. I mean, he, he dislocated was hip though, man. The hip injury is worrisome, but it's been another year. He's had time to you know get that fully healed, fully ripe. He's and he's had a whole off season now to study with the offense. He's going to get more of a preseason this year. I'm hopeful, but I won't be surprised if it's just like, oh, he's never going to be good because the injury just took that away from him. His mechanics are broken. He's not going to heal from that. And, you know, we're going to have to move on. And I feel like the way that Flores navigated, like you said, and just put him in, even though Fitzpatrick was playing well, it was like, I don't think Flores is going to be, scared to just say well we're done with Tua like this just doesn't work like he'll, he'll I, you have to give him enough chances it's not gonna be like week six and be like ah he doesn't have it we're gonna cut him you know there, there's there's gonna be more than that but I think in the the longer game I think Flores is pretty open-minded to you know I'm I'm not married to this kid Brissett has started plenty of games like if this team is everything's clicking but him I mean Brissett could start some games later this year I think that's your your floor and your ceiling is he starts to play like the prospect he's was lauded as his injury isn't bothering him anymore, and the addition of Fuller and um, Waddle makes all the difference. So he just he had a really low EPA per snap. He was honestly one of the worst quarterbacks from a lot of metrics. They won games by having crazy turnover luck, short fields. And I really think had a lot of production out of the running back at times. Didn't yeah. matter who it was. Like just Miles all ran- Gaskin season. Yeah, random random running back. Here you go. And all of a sudden he's halfway, you know, just a screen. Salvin Ahmed. Salvin Ahmed, yeah. I mean, some of these, yeah, just random running back du jour is just running wild. Like the offense was called well. I, th- I thought the defense played good. And the injury, the uh, turnover luck obviously made things a lot easier. When you're having a bad quarterback season and your EPA per play is shit, it's going to get masked when you start a lot of uh, your possessions at the 20. And I don't mean your 20. So I think we didn't even really get a feel for how bad Tua was at times because of all the, like the average starting field position felt like they were always across the 50 thanks to a punt block or an interception and, and the running backs bailed them out quite a bit. So um, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it feels like there's a low floor for this offense if it doesn't work. Are you saying that that makes you cautiously pessimistic or cautiously optimistic? I'm a little pessimistic. I think I'm cautiously pessimistic also. It, it, it's kind of a bad effing injury. Like your hip, people don't understand how much hips are. And maybe I, I shouldn't say people don't, but everyone understands how important hips are in a lot of things. Like in baseball, your hips are super important to hitting the ball, to throwing the ball. Well, his, For a quarterback his, rotation, right, his, your, mecha- your mechanics. his mechanics changed. Yeah. And honestly, there was a lot of balls down that were deep balls that he made look easy in college and was nowhere even close last year. And it's like if your deep ball has lost that much touch and there are question marks about your mechanics to go along with that, I don't know that that's another year removed from surgery kind of thing we can get fixed. I don't know. 
so I think that there is enough, there is real signal that is telling you that, that this isn't, that this is not going to work at the NFL level. So, the, yeah. And, and again, this, these are the things we don't know. And maybe we can find this out if we do some digging, let's always go back and I'll do this for a decade. I'll go back to the Josh Allen thing. We sure. didn't think Josh Allen was going to be any good. Like, you know what? His, his fucking wind up, his motion, his decision-making, the time he takes to get the ball out, his reads, just everything about him stunk except for when he took off. It's like, oh my God, he's a, you know, he's a fullback when he's moving with the ball, he's going to knock your ass over. And we didn't, we didn't know just how determined him and the coaching staff were to fixing all that. Like if you can make incremental gains in all of the things you're doing wrong and you have a coaching staff that's, you know, figuring out what's wrong and fixing it, uh, any player with the potential will get better. So it's, it's a matter of like, it, here we are a couple schmucks on a podcast. If we know his throwing motion and mechanics are whack, as the kids used to say, and I, I meant to say out of whack and I said whack and I feel so dumb, but there, his mechanics are out of whack. If Miami knows this and they're working on this in off season programs, then his ceiling is maybe more likely to get hit. If he comes out and his mechanics look like shit right off the bat in preseason, then yeah, I'm out on this team. Cause he can't, it doesn't matter if you add a couple good receivers, hope your defense is just as good as last year. If your quarterback plays stinks, you're going to be yeah. sitting there in week 15 with Brissett starting. Yeah. So his completion percentage by depth is an interesting chart to break down because he was bad in, he was great short of 10 yards. And then it all went, it all comes apart beyond 10 yards. And there were like, even in the, like, you remember the Raiders game where he got the hook for Fitzpatrick, mm -hmm. there were open receivers along the sidelines 10 20 15 yards down the field the Tannehill uh, throw the Tannehill throw there those they were open guys against the Raiders in that game and he wasn't pulling the trigger he was only looking for guys over the middle deep and he yeah it just it, when he did cut, try to go uh, to the sidelines it was uncatchable a lot of uncatchable um, I can tell you from a, I guess, flipping the script a little bit from a positive standpoint, he was extremely uh, safe with the football. He got sacked 20 times, but he only fumbled once. Um, he only threw five picks, very low interception percentage for the number of passes that he threw. But like there was two reasons. One of them is it wasn't catchable for either his guy or the cornerback, <laughs> right? Like, that's one of the reasons a lot of his incomplete passes were, um, you know, were not intercepted. Um, so I, I'm, I'm nervous that this is not going to work out. I'm hopeful that it does because he had moments as a college player that I still remember being especially outstanding. And I really, really hope he can return to that level. Um, and they've given him everything he could possibly ask for to try to recreate that uh, at least assuming that the offensive scheme is better than last year's. Um, he, you mentioned he does have the weapons now. Let's talk about the offense overall. Um, this is a fine offensive line. There are yeah. new pieces. There are young pieces. There are, they're not highly paid, um, but they're fine. Like this is not, there's, there's, this isn't a, a big blinking red light for me offensive line situation. Um, 
Fuller, Parker, that's a solid one too from a wide receiver standpoint. You put, get to put uh, Waddle in the slot. Um, I will criticize you for how you ended up with Waddle at the sixth overall pick because um, I thought the process was poor getting there, um, especially when you picked San Francisco's pocket for the future going going down from 3 to 12. Um, I think you, you could have gotten Waddle or Smith at, at that 12 spot, I think. Um, so it's, it was, I don't know. I thought it was, a uh, not a shrewd move to trade back up and I don't know what to really expect from Waddle. What's your, what's your opinion about this wide receiver crew? I, I think he has a high ceiling. I think all yeah. these, all, all the sec receivers that ended up in this first round, they, like, I've been just amazed by some of the things they've done over the past couple of years, especially, especially the Bama kids. So I, I think it works out. I don't know. I mean, you see receivers come up and they just don't get it. But when you come from a program like that, I mean, you're, I mean, it's almost a pro program at this point down there. And I mean, is he, he more he, of a, he is he more ready. of a rugs? Is he more of a rugs or is he more of a, a Ridley? See, and I think he, I don't know if he's big enough to be a Ridley. How big is this kid? I mean, he's decent size, right? He's got more size than Smith. He's bigger bone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, everybody does Smith's, Besides my nine-year-old, um, <laughs> five ten, one eighty-three. I, I don't think anyone is a rugs. I don't think you want a rugs anymore. Like that's fun, but Ridley's six one one ninety. I think in this situation, and it, again, very two independent, he could be the best. He should be the best receiver out of this class, at least this year. Julio six three two twenty. You think he's going to be the best receiver out of this class, huh? I just I like the connection up in Cincinnati. You didn't I, see Jefferson being the best receiver out of the last class, though. I certainly didn't. Well, no, because he had a shitty quarterback and a bad. You think you think staff. he's going to be better than Chase? You don't so think Chase I, is the? I just don't think that offense is going to be there yet. That's going to okay. be a really bad off. I, I, Chase long term probably. But give me Waddle for this year. Um, Devonta Smith, if the quarterbacking works out in Philly, whatever. Yeah, and uh, Smith isn't. Well, yeah, Smith's not 183. Dan says, <laughs> like, yeah, he might be 150. Who, uh, where did the, where did the other <laughs> nah, one go? He's like so, 160, 165-ish. Canarius, Tony, the Giants. Yeah, we've had our, our talk about that. Honestly, Rashad Bateman, kind of a dark horse candidate to – to be up there, but the the other LSU, what was our other LSU guy? Um, oh yeah, uh, Marshall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are some guys down the board that could play well, and we saw that last year. There were some second and third round guys that played really well, but I'm very hopeful. Actually, I'm, we talked about it just a bit ago. I'm hopeful for Elijah Moore. I'm hopeful for Rashad Bateman in Baltimore, and Kadarius Tony. I'm down on, but yeah, I think. If the two ceilings there, he should have a really, really good year because they have the offensive line, and I think he can just slide right into the system, especially with a, a bit more of a veteran guy coming in across from him as well. Okay. Uh, what do we think of uh, this trend that's taking over the NFL in the wake of Art Smith being successful tight end elevated to head coach where everyone now is elevating their tight end coaches to offensive coordinator? Will that mean George Godsey is a – uh, in any way, shape, or form, the next Art Smith, or is this two offensive coordinator nonsense a uh, a potential problem? 
when I got up today, I didn't expect to be asked, will George Godsey be the next Art Smith? I was not on the docket for Um, I don't know shit about this guy. We'll I see. really don't either. I, it's a we'll, wild card, man. We'll see. Um, I think overall, coaching staff, I'm happy with the leadership. I like Flores a lot. Everybody likes Flores. I think he has a – if this team gets it together, it's, a, it's not the easiest start to the schedule, but if this team plays well on offense, probably a playoff team, maybe, and I think a decent shot at coach of the year. So – um, maybe again, he rubbed off on this coaching staff and they all can make some smart decisions, but I don't know enough about how this offense is going to be called this year to really make some grand uh, guesses on that. I just, okay. I'm excited. <clears throat> I'm excited to see if they can fix the things that were wrong with not only offense, but Tua last year. And I think bringing in Waddle and Will Fuller, I like that a ton. Bringing those two in. How many again, games is Will Fuller going to miss? Hopefully none, man. But he's yeah, he's an injury risk. But Parker and Gusecki, Waddle and Fuller across. You got, yeah, you got some redundancy like, overall in your wide receiver. I, room. I like, and your again, wide receiver room is very good. Yes, and and then again, Gaskin uh, Brown came in as a. Was it Malcolm Brown came in as another running back? Again, they seem to be able to just throw anyone out there at running back and make it work, which is kind of how it should be, really, guys. The rest of the league should kind of pay attention to that. But I'm hopeful for this offense, and even with some defensive regression, I think this team can be a good team. I have them as hopefully, and again, this is this is maybe hopeful. Like, I think they could be like a middle of the pack offense. I think there's that's their ceiling. I'm not sure where you have that. I'm, I mean, like, I probably have them. I'd have to double check here. Probably 18 to 20 for an offense. And yep. with the ceiling around that 14, 15, if everything works out with Tua and the addition of the – but, again, it's it's a top 10 defense. So this yeah. team, if the offense hits the ceiling, it's a playoff team. If not, it's probably a middling team who's drafting somewhere in the middle again. Yeah, right. And still asking questions about maybe two is not the guy. Yeah. And I, hopefully Flores makes a snap judgment on that. Hmm. Decides uh, at some point. Boy, man. And yeah, somebody says who's calling the plays. That is a hell of a question. Why don't we pull the schedule up and I will see if I can figure out that from the local newspaper. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll give you my two cents on the schedule. Uh, here off the top while you run down who's calling the plays. I've asked a couple people. Neither, and neither should, of these men have ever called be. plays in the NFL. That's right. And I, I've asked people who should know and they don't. So I really, I, we may, it may just be an unknown overall. Art, article from um, March. They haven't, they won't say. They won't say it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> cool guys. <laughs> um, the Miami schedule overall is very, very challenging. It's front-loaded from a difficulty standpoint, which is always bad. I'd, I'd rather play my – I'd rather have my tough opponents late in the schedule than early. And the reason is you don't even know if they're going to be tough late. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's early, they're probably going to be at full strength. It's probably going to be fully healthy. You got to host Buffalo uh, early in the season, which is good from a, hey, you get to put them in the heat. That might neutralize the – disadvantage a little bit um but you struggled against the buffalo bills last time you especially the last game of the season you struggled against that team um similarly the uh 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you had to head up, head up the Sunshine State to play Tampa early in the season. That's not great. You got to go to London. That's difficult. Uh, That's long trip from Miami to London. What's that? Pat Patrick says, yikes, week six through eight. Yeah, I know it's yeah. Jacksonville. And maybe by week six, uh, they've got you know things figured out a little bit, bringing in a rookie quarterback. It's still not going to be a great team, but it's still a trip to London followed by two straight games with teams off their bye. Eight-hour flight. The, the, and the second of which being Buffalo at Buffalo off their bye. A game that probably clinches this division, the division for your opponent. A, a, yeah, and a team they greatly struggled at. Again, with a very good defense, they very much struggled to stop that team from scoring last year in the late in the season. So that's that's a rough patch there and we've we've said this once in a different preview and we'll say it again you got to get right spot there's houston houston and taylor coming to town and you are a big favorite there before going into another tough spot then there's then there is a bit of a respite yeah yeah but really this the stretch you know number one going to london and not taking your buy after we covered that on the um schedule podcast that is one of the bigger franchise defining mistakes that i could identify i know i, I wonder who, ma- who makes that decision i don't know the leadership general manager you, I, leadership group in general i'm not sure who dis- who decides that president of football operations is the final say, call that there. sounds right i think so <clears throat> but it was a, it was a poor decision um and your reward is you got to host atlanta that next week Atlanta um, is coming off of their bye. That's not a great spot for you of Miami. And then, yeah, that Buffalo game week eight. Like, it, this realistically, I think it is fair to um, to assume you win one of your coin flip games between New England and Indy and that you, we, that you beat the Raiders. Uh, and then other than that, not a lot of wins on this first half of the schedule. You probably heading into that week nine game against Houston as a three win team, maybe four. The best case scenario going early in the season is whatever the right decision for the quarterback position for New England they don't make. The Raiders, (laughs) the Raiders truly regress, like we think. Indy is not getting what they need out of Wentz. Jacksonville is just as bad at traveling as you. You beat them so badly that the trip back to Atlanta isn't so bad because you should get to rest your starters in the fourth quarter. And then, yeah, you probably still get the shit kicked out of you up in Buffalo. Like, it, it, Best there's case some scenario, coin, there's, yeah, there's some coin flips that like, don't go your way. Five and three. Yeah, there's some coin flips in your three and five, or it could get worse again if, if the things don't click on offense. Getting through that second half stretch after the Baltimore game, you can pick up some wins. New Orleans and Tennessee are, you know, you're about a field goal dog there late on the road. And again, it's it's a bit of a a bit of a pickle there. It is not only the what are we calling it? the mega awesome awful hammer. We need a name for this. <laughs> the mega the, hammer. The, yeah. The, dong the Tennessee hammer 69. game. Yeah, the dong hammer 69 game. Or yeah, against Tennessee week 17 at Tennessee, by the way. Yeah. You were on not only facing a team who's off a Thursday night game, you're off a Monday night game. So the double rest spot thing, plus 
it's the second bat week of a back-to-back road game for you as you've played New Orleans the week before. And the week before, oh, man. At it's least you're coming off a bye going to the Jets. Like, you need that Jets game so bad. Because yeah. those next two weeks, those are those are opponents that we're projecting to take a step back this year. Yeah. But that's still such a tough spot for you. And then you get New England to close the season. New England doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Seems like those games are always close. I don't know. Always close. Always. Okay. So realistically, from a betting standpoint, the best case scenario is they stick with Tua. They don't quit on him. The defense and the injury luck impacts them more in the first half of the season than the last half of the season. And when you start this stretch from week 11 to week 15, where they play the Jets twice and they have four weeks in a row of staying home, um, there'll be potentially be some buy low value on Miami during that stretch. Does that seem fair? That seems like a best case scenario for us as the betters. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that a lot, especially like you hope, you hope Buffalo beats them by like 40 points. That would be, you hope, you hope the Tampa game that especially maybe the Tampa game, they get the tar beat out of them too. There's going to be some, they don't cover against the Texans. Yeah. You hope that Buffalo beats the tar out of them and that they don't cover against the Texans Texans by three close late game, similar to that Raiders game where it's a clearly inferior team and it takes everything they can to win by one. Baltimore goes about how it should. Maybe a, the, the defense stifles and Baltimore's offense is better this year. And then, yeah, you get them like, well, it depends what the Jets are doing at that point of the year. You can and get then, a lot of coin flippy type of lines in some games where they're the better team from and week then, 11 and to week 15. The, the weirdest part about Houston now, too, is the fact that today we're finding out, like, it might not be how long is, you know, how long is Deshaun suspended. It might be, like, Tyrod's starting anyway because Deshaun's on a different team. Like if they're yeah, going to true. try to move him, that's I don't know if you bring someone else in with the where that well not that you don't the cap space being what it is where the franchise is in general. I think you just just if you trade Watson and you don't get a quarterback back for him, you just go with Tyrod the whole year, I suppose. I think and so. he's he's semi-serviceable at times but he's not going to win you a lot of games so that's that might not be a game where we get like oh they they beat him close it's like no it's Terod taylor they won by a lot sorry about your little plan houston houston should be very interesting seeing how this goes over the next few weeks if they do move him or not yep I mean, I they're asking a lot I, and just as a sidebar on that there's so much we don't know about what goes on behind closed doors between front offices I feel like anybody who's talking to Houston right now probably is privy. They're probably signing an NDA and they know what's going to happen to, you know, Deshaun Watson for, you know, as far as whatever settlement or whatever, you know, whatever's going to happen behind closed doors as far as that goes. So it'll be, uh, it'll be very interesting to see over the next few weeks. It is pretty cool, at least for their schedule, and I want to point this out, that you do have from week 9 to week 15, that is a seven-week stretch where you only travel once, and you get extra rest on top of that, and it's at New York. Not a not a, not a, not a tough travel. Trip up the coast. Head up to the coast. Yeah. Have some fun. Yeah, of course. So that that's, that's a pretty nice seven-week stretch where you're really going to be able to kind of you know, get your legs back under you if the beginning of the season doesn't go as we expect. Um, what do you think of that line between Miami and New England week one, by the way? That makes sense to you? 
We don't know. We don't know who the New England starter is. We don't know a few things about New England. It's probably. I mean, I'd have it at two, I guess. So right now, the market makes those these two teams, New England and Miami, almost dead even in terms of power number. They are both yeah. minus a half point relative to an average NFL yeah, team. I'm, and I'm, they are both in the same direction. They're both 20 and 21st offensively, 10th and 13th defensively. So this is like, these are really, really, really similar teams. And they're giving New England two and a half points of home field advantage week one of the season, which is... Yeah, that's- that's where I said two because that's about what my home field would be for Gillette. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a 1.8 ish round up to two. So I, it's close, but I, I think it's not a enough, little, not enough to get half, involved. Not no, it's a half point too much, but I'm not bad. What do you think that closes? No way that moves to three, right? Um, which way do you think it moves based on quarterback decision? Probably pick. Do you, do you think the market would be excited about a rookie quarterback over Cam? Uh, no, I think, I think once they make the quarterback decision, it goes Miami's way either way, no matter who they pick. <sighs> You're right. Don't there's you, really you? no, there's, there's a it's low, negative news low, both ways. there's a low pop probability that cam plays a quarter of preseason football and kicks ass. And everyone's like, Oh, he's back. Was that 5% chance? Yeah, I'm we're not, not seeing, putting that we're not three. We're not going to get a three. No. And a couple people in the chat already said, like, yeah, Miami is a teaser leg. Yeah. If it settles oh, at one, call. if it says it settles at one and a half, two, two and a half, yeah, right like in that, that cute call. little teaser zone. Yeah. I'm kind of a cagey. Cage, you can tell I just did Euro 2020 for a month, a little cagey match. <laughs> Start off the bat early in the, early in the, uh, early fixture in the two teams that are looking to be similar spots in the table this year. That total has been bet down from 46 to 45 and a half. One of the lower totals on the board week one. So yeah. another good reason. All right, let's, let's take a look at the odds and close the page on uh, close the book on this squad. And uh, we'll get to the, the other two teams later this week. Super I'm... Bowl 25 to one. That's not very high. Mm-mm. What? I'm sure if you shop around, you can find some. It feels like teams that are in the 25 to 50 range, you shop around, it's like they're 25 at one book, 40 at another. So uh, either Still, of those numbers, I'm really, not betting. That's not bettable at all. <laughs> so well, no. FC 16 to 1, unbettable. Uh, AFC East plus 350, unbettable. Um, to make the playoffs, yes, plus 115. As we kind of laid out, I think you're better off waiting to pull the trigger on these guys until they get through the nasty part of their uh, schedule early on. Any bet that you want to make that the Dolphins are going to be a positive surprise, I think you wait till after that week eight game against Buffalo. Just hold your damn horses. To make the playoffs after that, especially if it's like... You'll get get three or four to one. Three to one, four to one, something like that. That'll be a big old number. You get a nice number like that later after that tough stretch when they get into the easier part of the year. Yeah, fine with that. Like, yeah, four to one would be pretty sweet, especially it's not the softest of landings, but a bunch of winnable games late and mm-hmm. they could get to 11 wins, get themselves Their a regular spot. season win total nine and a half plus 125 to the over minus 160 to the under. If you recall from the last uh, schedule we were just looking at, the implied wins on their schedule is only eight. 
Um, and this is a team that power rated a little bit worse than average. So eight and nine is kind of the expectation. Nine and a half is uh, is awfully damn high. What is up with that? Uh, book, bookmaker has them 34 to one. So, I mean, it's, it's not a massive difference in the markets, but, and even that, yeah, that's not bettable. I'm not, especially again, in a tough AFC, not excited about that at all. So, eh. Tua, if he is good in his first ever playoff run, no, come on, stop. <laughs> yeah. Rookie quarterback starting in the playoffs. Like, yeah, no. we'll bet him at four to one to make the playoffs and then we'll hammer the Browns minus seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> in Cleveland to beat them. We uh, got to clip this part call. when this God, happens. Like, well, I'll, I'll remember this spot right there. Matt clipped this. I love that. I love that. So, That's a great Yeah, no, nothing, nothing probably preseason. Again, if I had to bet it, I might be betting the regular season win total under uh, because you get to that halfway point in the season, you can kind of buy out with some other ways. Or you can just sit and be like, no, this team just doesn't have it. Like, we're going to get to eight or nine wins here, and that's that's that. So let me look if I can see. Oh, I don't have win totals. I have to win the division. Yeah, plus 378 here. Nah, like, nah, regular, nah, nah. regular season wins is going to be right around that same spot. Nine and a half, juice to the under at Chris, minus 160 to the under. So, yeah, the market is pretty much in lockstep on that, and I'm not all that excited about getting involved. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah sorry. We, uh, I wish there were more bettable bets. Um, I don't more think bettable bets. I wish I, I wish Waddle all the success in the world, and I predicted him to be good. But uh, with two quarterbacks that are going to be starting from day one, possibly more with Fields, with uh, Lance, with Mac. There's too many quarterbacks that have a chance to see a lot of field for a receiver. A receiver would have to have a Randy Moss type year, I think, this year to overcome that many quarterbacks that are going to see probable time so I, I can't get a rookie of the year involvement with him either i agree with you good luck good call um let's up, uh, yeah let's Freaking uh, mean let's, wednesday yeah let's re- uh, good. you got you got that uh, or well, let's talk about that out the air yeah i know yeah. all right best of luck uh handicapping Whatever you're doing in the sports world, swimming, Olympics. Olympics not going great so far. We're going to need a little Ju- luck here. Need, need a little luck here. Going to need a French judo team. Anytime you feel like showing up, please. Uh, anytime. Uh, we could use some dubs that are not Japan in the judo. Anytime. Um, all right. Let's wrap this up. Good work. And uh, I'll talk to you, talk to you next time.